Hello and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast, the show that empowers you to wake up to your full potential and achieve your biggest goals and dreams. I am your host, Hal Elrod, and I invite you to join us each week as we share actionable strategies to take your life to the next level, as well as interview world-class experts and entrepreneurs who have achieved extraordinary goals themselves, and we ask them to give you a peek behind the curtain and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. Welcome, everybody, to your next Achieve Your Goals podcast episode with Juliana Ray. Juliana, how are you doing today? You ready to have fun? I am blissed out, John. I'm super ready to have fun. Yeah, I'm feeling really good. Blissed out. You know, that's one I haven't heard. We could do a lot with that. Um, That's really great. So, hey, for those of you just tuning in, Juliana Ray, I first met you, Juliana. We met a couple years ago. We were introduced through a mutual friend of ours, John Kane. And you had helped him by training him on your mindfulness approach. And he was using mindfulness meditation to train for an Ironman, which if you know John Kane, it's an impressive feat because he's a big dude. He wasn't built to complete an Ironman. And he decided he wanted to rewrite a chapter of his life. And so he said, why not go do the thing that would seem to be impossible? And it's a story for another episode. We actually need to bring John on here and have him tell the story. But it really was like accomplishing the impossible. But he completed that Ironman and he credited a lot of his success to the coaching and training that you gave him as his mindfulness meditation coach. And so that's when I met you several years ago. I hired you to coach me directly. And there were some things that I loved about your style of meditation. For one, I could practice it anywhere at any time. The second was I felt like no matter what my prior training was or my beliefs or biases around meditation and what works for me or what doesn't, what I loved about your approach is it seemed to have, yes, there's a lot of complexity to it. And I've come to learn it's like the more I know, the more I realize I don't know. There's also at the same time, this beautiful simplicity. Um, So I've loved learning from you over the last several years. And I'm excited to bring you to our Achieve Your Goals podcast community. And just so we don't forget, this is an exciting time for you. You have a program that you could argue has literally been like 30 plus years in the making. And for the first time in history, as of when, like a few days ago, people can now get trained on this method that Shinzen Young, your mentor, developed 30 years ago. So that's going on right now, right? Yeah, it's literally, uh, it's available today. Today's the first day that people could hop on if they want to. So yeah, it's an extremely exciting moment for us here and a lot of hard work. And we're all just feeling really grateful to be able to offer it and already in the response that we're getting. So That's super cool. And just so I don't forget, because we're about to dive deep into a really cool conversation. If anyone wants to go learn more about this or your training program, where do they go find you? It's at unifiedmindfulness.com forward slash foundations. And you can, you know, put a link to that. Perfect. Unifiedmindfulness.com forward slash foundations. Is that right? Mm-hmm. All right, cool. We'll make sure we get that. All right, awesome. So Juliana, let's start with, tell us about your journey, your introduction to meditation, because it's interesting. We all have an interesting story. Mm-hmm. Yours is definitely interesting. You had like several lifetimes before meditation that I want to make sure people hear about. So where do you want to start? 
Yeah. Well, so I was really lucky. I came out to LA and I had a dream of being actually a famous actress and a famous musician. I was sort of torn between the two. And I got to make a record on Warner Brothers with, you know, one of the big iconic producers. And I started to live my dream. I started to do shows and, you know, it was just my name. It was all my music and it felt like a big deal. And it was, it was a rare opportunity. But what I really discovered through that is, you know, we have this idea, oh, if I fulfill my dreams, then everything will be okay. I know I certainly had that mindset that, you know, I need to achieve X, Y, and Z, and then I'll be happy. And I got the chance to achieve X, Y, and Z, which a lot of people don't do in the entertainment world. And I got enough of a taste of it to realize that it wasn't going to give me what I thought, that it was my mind still. I was interpreting my experience through the lens of my mind. And if my mind wasn't fully appreciating the experience, no experience was going to give me that. And that was a big revelation for me. But then I had no idea what to do about that. I was profoundly depressed and I struggled a lot with anxiety as well. So I had a lot of emotional challenges and I was in psychotherapy and I tried medication and I couldn't find anything that was really working for me. And I saw that, you know, at best, like even if I achieved my rock star dreams, even if I became a rock star, I could see that I would still have a life of chronic unhappiness, basically, that I would mm. be struggling with it the whole time. So like I said, I was at a loss. A therapist recommended meditation and I was very skeptical, but I started practicing on my own. I didn't know much about it. You know, I did it and I liked what it did for me, but I didn't get the potential of it. I didn't get the power of it until I was introduced to Shinzen Young and his unified mindfulness system. And I went on a retreat with him and that's when my whole life changed. Because on that retreat, right in the middle of it, I had an experience that was so, talk about blissed out. There was so much tranquility. There was so much well-being going on. That sense of joy just in existing and a sense of happiness for no reason. And there was so much pleasant flowing energy in my body that it was like, you know, if somebody had said to me that meditation was capable of helping you feel energized or feel calm or feel emotional well-being, I would have been like, yeah, okay, whatever. Because I just didn't know how good that could feel. I didn't know the experience of that firsthand. And then mm -hmm. once I did, once I saw, oh, you mean this? <laughs> like This is far more powerful than I ever experienced in my life. So at that moment, I saw a way out of the hole I was trapped in. I saw that if I just, because all I did was a bunch of these exercises of, you know, I did the practice and I did a lot of it, <laughs> yeah. but I saw like, oh, okay, you do a lot of this practice, you get this level of words. That means that if I keep putting in the time and I keep doing the practice, that over time I can change the ecosystem the inner ecosystem. I can change the brain. I can change the mind that sees, that experiences this world. And then I can have the fulfillment that I thought I would get from the externals. I can really have it in more and more moments of my life. So in that moment, I saw I had it the wrong way around. And I got mm. fully like, oh, okay, this is the right way around. You got to start here and build that, change that inner environment. And that's when 
you're in a better position, you know, not only to appreciate the blessings that your life gives you, but also to make choices and change your environment when you are not in an unhappy place, you're going to make much better decisions. So I suddenly got the order of events very clearly. That's awesome. Well, what I love about your story, Juliana, is, and I'm sure we're going to hear more of it here in this conversation, but like you wanted to be a rock star early on. And just a fun fact, you're going to hate me for doing this. Go YouTube Juliana Ray, and there's some amazing music videos from 1989. No, um, not that early. Oh, I don't know when they were. Uh, of Juliana. <laughs> you got to go find these YouTube videos of Juliana. Like you were 90s, rocking it out. 90s. 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 Probably late 90s, I'm sure. So. So what's cool is you wanted to be a rock star. And in my mind, which is just my opinion, you are literally a rock star in the world of mindfulness and meditation. And what I love about <laughs> you being here with the Miracle Morning community is many of them might not know who you are, but when they go search and they follow you, they're going to learn and they're going to see really quickly that you mentor some amazing people from rock stars to mega CEOs to everyday entrepreneurs. So I love that you wanted to be a rock star and you became one <laughs> just in a very different universe. You talked about changing the inner ecosystem. That sounds yeah. like a superpower that if I'm listening to this podcast, I want to achieve my goals. I'm sold on this idea that, hey, I've got to win that inner game. So yeah. give us a crash course introduction to what did you learn from Shenzhen Young 20 yeah. plus years ago that you said, wow, this is amazing. Well, I like to say that mindfulness is the ultimate recycling tool, <laughs> mm. which doesn't sound very sexy. However, it is the ninja tool because suddenly all those experiences in your life that pose challenges that we find painful or difficult, suddenly you have a way to work with those right in the moment that mm. converts them into energy, that converts them into deeper tranquility deeper fulfillment, you know, greater well-being, you know, more energy. So literally on the spot, just by the way you relate to your experience. And that's basically how I converted anxiety and depression as experiences into greater and greater well-being, greater and greater tranquility and energy. It still is a radical thought to me. If I hadn't experienced it firsthand, it's a radical idea that you can take these situations that feel so hopeless when you're in the midst of them and you can actually use the experience if you understand how to simply work with your attention. You can use the resource you already have right available to you to convert that experience into something positive and meaningful for yourself. So that's the tool that I was given through learning to develop my attention with mindfulness. And when you say develop your attention, I know, mm -hmm. know that one of the foundational topics you teach, I know you teach this in depth in your foundations training course, but you talk about three attention skills. So mm -hmm. what I'd love to do is introduce these attention skills to this audience. And then after that, I want us to give some practical, immediate how-to. So what could somebody do as soon as they're done with our conversation or even while they're listening so that they can actually start building these attention skills. Absolutely. So I like to um, kind of give examples so people have a point of reference. One thing you can do is you can consider 
have you ever been in the zone in your work where things are just like clipping along and there's like an effortless flow to your day? Your ideas are just freely flowing. Relationships are clicking. You know, the skies are beautiful. Just one of those days that feel like, oh yeah, I know why I do what I do, right? Yeah. If you break down a day like that, we've all had days like that. If you break down a day like that, what you'll see is that these skills I'm about to describe are naturally occurring. So what mindfulness does is we say, you know, those moments that you have, you can experience that. It doesn't have to be limited to this one day, this particular situation. You can cultivate those skills and experience it more often and in more situations in your life. So if you break down that moment where you're having that great day and things are flowing effortlessly, what do you find? Well, you find that you're deeply absorbed in your experience. So that would be what we call concentration power, right? You're so in the moment, right? You're so focused and it's effortless, right? So concentration Um, power is the first attention skill. Yeah, that's right. And it is the ability to focus your attention on what you choose. So when we're having a peak day or like we're in the zone, it happens naturally, right? We just drop into a deeply absorptive state where we're focusing. Or if you're on that run, right? You drop into the zone on a run and it's like maybe you're focusing on your breath or whatever it is, but Mm -hmm. you're just able to keep your focus on the breath, right? You're just able to keep it there. So that's concentration power. Sensory clarity is the ability to track and explore your sense experience in real time. So if you think about when you're in the zone, what happens? You've got all these like, it's as if you see everything more clearly and you make associations that you wouldn't necessarily make on a, you know, quote unquote, right? It's like things are clicking in your mind and you're seeing like, oh, okay, right. I could do that. And you're making these associations and you're having, it's like you're able to detect at a heightened level. Mm -hmm. So that is the skill of sensory clarity. And then equanimity is the ability to allow sensory experience to come and go without push and pull. So what does that mean, allow? Well, when you think about that being in the zone moment, everything seems to be harmoniously flowing and there's an effortlessness about it. And you don't have to push or pull on it. It just is unfolding. And in fact, oftentimes you don't even feel like you're doing anything. You just sort of feel like it's happening to you. So that's a good example of when you drop into a natural state of equanimity where things are just unfolding and you don't need to fight with yourself around your experience. So that's when those skills are naturally heightened. But most of us (laughs) don't have our skills naturally heightened all the time. So what do the skills look like when you're challenged, right? The flip side of it is, okay, none of those skills are really working for me right now. What does that look like? Well, that looks like having one of those horrible days (laughs) where, you know, it's like I said something to so-and-so and then they said something and my feelings were hurt and that triggered a reaction. And then I said something to someone else because my feelings were hurt and I didn't mean to. And then I hurt their feelings. And then I stubbed my toe and the pain from the toe mixed with the hurt feelings. And then I just felt like, what? what's this all about? Why am I here? Right. And then I got stuck in a traffic jam and then a check bounced. And right. So see that these are also extremely familiar days to us. So then what about those days? Well, If you can bring those skills to those days, you can process and manage 
those experiences much better and more efficiently. And you can convert those experiences into this long game of greater tranquility, energy, well-being. So it's kind of like you think about in exercise, how do we push the envelope of our physical strength? Well, it's not during those effortless downhill or like flat runs, right, where you're in the groove. It's at those moments where you're push uphill and those are the strengthening moments. So if you can bring a modicum of these skills, so a little bit better, you know, like concentrate, notice details about your experience, bring yeah. acceptance to your experience in the moment. If you're in the middle of a really challenging moment and you can bring those skills to bear, that's going to make that moment more manageable for you. If you, for example, let's take this skill of sensory clarity. So let's say you stub your toe, you're in pain, someone says something mean to you, you're feeling hurt, right? What's going on there? Well, there's a lot of sensory information getting mushed together at the same time. You've got the physical pain, you've got the emotional pain, you've got anything that either of those trigger, like for instance, oh no, I hope I didn't break my toe, or why did that person have to say that thing, right? And and then- I want to clarify too, because- it's not about stubbing your toe. Stubbing your toe is a metaphor for like things don't go the way you want them to go, right? right like exactly. one of the things that I loved about learning this from you, because I want to make sure I go further with this point here of these attention skills. Like let's talk yeah. about concentration power, the ability okay. to focus our attention. What I love is that I've learned from you, Juliana, there's a lot of different words and labels that people are used to using. Like, well, I need to figure out how to be present or I need to figure out how to stay focused. Mm, need yeah. to figure out how to find energy, right? Like if you're listening to this podcast, it's because you want to find an edge in your ability to achieve your goals. And so when I hear you using as a metaphor, stubbing your toe, no, I'm imagining that's as an entrepreneur, you're rejected by somebody, right? And so in that moment, mm-hmm. how do you respond? Do you notice if it actually causes you to react in a way where the next time you're supposed to go to work, instead of going full speed, you actually hesitate? Or even worse, you rationalize not taking action at all, mm-hmm. right? So I love how realistic these skills are. For, yeah. and a good example is equanimity, avoiding the push or the pull. For myself as an entrepreneur, I have at any given moment, I have lots of demands on myself. I have clients, I have goals, I have opportunities, I have struggles. I have possibilities, I have fears. I have people I work with, I have people I like, I have people I don't like. Like this is, you know, when you think about the human experience, when we're going after something that matters, I have a family, right? I have myself. Every single one of these things I just listed at any given moment has the opportunity to be something that could be a source of either positive energy or a source of something negative. And when you talk about- Yeah, or challenge, right? And when you talk about equanimity, what I love about how important this is, is that at any given moment, it might just be one of those things. It might be 10 of them yes, that are all pulling at me so intensely that it's paralyzing. And then I yeah. walk into the office and it's like, it's time to get something done. And I've got an amazing team that's working hard. And they ask me one question about one thing. And it's like, no, it's not important. And all of a sudden I'm frustrated because I can't stay focused on what I want. I concentration power because right. this is just life, right? Yeah. So yeah. these skills are so real in how important they are needed. And what I want to ask you about is, so I love the idea that, okay, these are these superpowers. We've got to be able to concentrate. We've got to be able to detect within us 
mm-hmm. when things are going south. Because you taught me it's kind of like a wave. It comes and goes. And if you catch it earlier, it might go earlier versus mm-hmm. gripping me and I lose control, right? Mm-hmm. But let's get this really like practical how-to. So in order to develop these skills, what does somebody need to be doing on a right. regular basis? Whether it's a formal practice or it's just at any given moment, like a micro practice, what are some things yeah. that can strengthen these? Yeah. And that's key. It's like, what we really want is to empower people as much as possible so that you know, it's like the equipment. You want to know what's the equipment and how do I use it? And that's what we want for you so that you're super clear about what you need to do. So how do you apply these skills in any given moment? Well, let's take some small example. Like somebody says something and you feel sad right? So they said something, you hear something, it makes you feel sad. So what do you do about feeling sad? Well, there are actually lots of ways you could work with it. This is just one approach. But if you wanted to focus on the sadness, which is purely a choice, you don't have to. But if you wanted to focus on the sadness, or let's say you had to focus on the sadness because you were so sad that there was nothing else you could focus on, right? How would you use the skills effectively? Well, you would turn towards the sadness. You would notice it as an experience in your body. So where is the sadness located in the body? If you can figure that out, right? It might take a little bit of guessing. It might be a little confusing because a lot of people aren't taught to think about emotions having a life in the body. What are examples of places? What's like mm, some examples of where or how I would notice it? Right, so very commonly... We can feel it in the belly, the solar plexus, the heart is a really common one, the chest. And you might just notice a little bit of tension and you might know on some level, oh, that tension is associated with the feeling of sadness. That's all it is. It's like you notice a little bit of gripping or something and you say, all right, I get that that's tied to how sad I'm feeling right now. For me, Juliana, in case anyone can relate to this, I often will notice that I'm going into a disempowering state when my breath gets shorter. And that's often a reflection of like my heart beating at a faster pace. So that's how I often notice it is I might not feel as, I guess you would say, yeah, I feel that in my chest, but it's my breath gets shorter. And when I notice that, okay, that's that moment you're describing. Yeah. And so in a case like that, it would be very natural to start taking deeper breaths when you recognize it. And that is one way to work with it. Like you bring greater relaxation into the system by taking deeper breaths and that helps restore you. But another way to go and a way that's maybe counterintuitive to some people is you notice the shorter breath and you bring acceptance to it. You bring that skill equanimity to it. And you bring precision and clarity about it. Oh, okay. Where is it located? How does it feel? And just in doing that, you release it. And that's counterintuitive. A lot of people sort of think, oh, I've got to do something. I got to take deeper breaths. I got to do this or that. But the thing you actually have to do is change your relationship to it in that moment. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So what are some other ways? I know you just described one type of labeling our experience, which would be finding a feeling. There's two other ways I think that you teach that we might notice our inner experience that can also allow us in real time to right. you know, get present to what's happening. Right. So there's the physical sensations and the emotional sensations, right? Anything that takes place in the body. And we would call that category feel, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's what you hear, right? So 
what you hear can include what you hear in your environment. Your senses are processing audio stimulation from the world around you, right? So it can be what you hear in your environment, but also what you hear in your mind, the mental chatter that so often undoes us all, right? It undoes us. Like, uh, you know, so what happens when you relate to, let's say, a thought and the thought that's undermining, let's say a thought like, I never do anything right or something like that. How would you relate to a thought like that using these skills? So I never do anything right. So you turn and you focus on the thought, but you don't focus on the content of the thought. You don't focus on the meaning of the thought. You focus on the sound activity of the thought. So you are Between my ears. That's right. Between my head. Right between your ears. So I never do anything right is basically a strung together set of consonants and vowels. Right? (laughs) 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 If you break it down, what gives it meaning? We can empower it with meaning or not. We can focus on the thought, I never do anything right, as simply a series of sounds strung together, a pattern of sound. We can concentrate on it as a pattern of sound. We can become clear about it, right? There's that sensory clarity by noticing where it's located in between the ears. Oh yeah, I hear it in that part of my head. We can notice, oh yeah, it opens up when the vowels hit and then it closes down when the consonants hit. Oh, okay. It has this pattern, right? (laughs) So we start to become interested. The sensory clarity is about the details of the sound pattern and not about any deep meaning behind that phrase because that phrase doesn't have any deep meaning. I never do anything right. It has no meaning. I love it. Equanimity is the last skill. So equanimity means, can you suspend judgment about that thought? Mm -hmm. So I never do anything right. You don't empower it, but you don't push it away either. You don't get stuck in it, right? No push and pull. You don't get stuck in that thought as in, Oh, I finally realized the truth of my existence. I don't do anything right, right? You don't give it any weight. But the flip side of it is you don't start fighting with it either. You don't say, oh, why do I always think that? I shouldn't think that. I Look, I can't even do personal development right. I keep on having these thoughts, right? So we want to try to be willing for that thought to be there and allow it to come and go without push and pull. That's equanimity. See, so we've talked about feel, So at any given moment, if I can feel in my body, like if you're listening to this and you're thinking, okay, I've never even been introduced to this concept before. What we can all relate to is moments when things are going great, like Juliana described earlier, and moments when we're not at our best. And there's lots of labels that we use for that. It could be distracted. It could be afraid. It could be overwhelmed. So if you just have these two buckets of I feel great or I'm not feeling great, I think part of what we're learning right now is you have three different ways that you can catch yourself if things aren't feeling great. And Juliana, in a minute, let's also talk about how to nurture the positive. But I think for a lot of us where we need the tools often is to turn things around. So we've introduced, okay, I might feel in my body at shortness of breath. And what you've just taught us is if all I do is just notice that, like literally draw my attention towards the place where that is, it will actually start to diffuse potentially the problem in the first place. The other opportunity is to hear. And I'll share with everybody personally, when I first started working with Juliana, this was the thing for me that was most beneficial is I'm an auditory person. I have a lot of conversations in my head. I shared this with somebody recently that 
I'm pretty sure I have a permanent, never-ending conversation going on in my head. And that's not a problem. I have come to recognize that's a huge strength because I'm like solving problems. I'm, I'm coming up with amazing ideas. I relate. I relate. Yeah. I'm the same. And we're both auditory people. We love yeah. music. It's not a surprise that we have a permanent conversation in our head. But I think part of the yin and the yang with that is that conversation unattended to can go south really quickly. And what does go south, what I learned from you a long time ago is, look, I don't need to judge it. I don't need to ask myself, how do I fix it? All I need to do is just actually notice it. Because just by noticing it, I'm literally getting conscious. I'm literally becoming present. And in that moment, I now release the control of that dialogue. That's right. right. That's the work. It's so funny. We think, oh no, I got to be doing something more than that. No, that's the work right there. And we both love and appreciate and value the importance of a tool like an affirmation. I think this whole community does. And if everyone's wondering, well, where does that fit in? Well, it's not an either or. I think using an affirmation is a great way of nurturing positive thoughts. However, we're all human beings, which means that there are times when we're either not reciting our affirmations all day long, or we're not having that perfect thought. And we need a tool to increase the moments when we are conscious. And affirmations yeah, that's where is that a tool recycling. to do that. Yeah, that's where the recycling part of it comes in. It's like, can we use every little bit of our experience, right? And in order to use every little bit of our experience, we have to know which tool to use when. That's it. We have to just get smart about that. And there's one more we haven't mentioned, which is seeing. So walk us through that sense. Yeah, so see would be uh, basically, it's what you see in the world, right? And it's also what you might see in your mind. Mm So. Many people, when they sit down to practice, if you're going to do a seated practice, you find that the mind doesn't, you don't see much at all. And a lot of people say, oh no, what's wrong? I can't see anything. But actually, that's a restful state. It just means that there isn't a lot of visual activity and you can enjoy that and you can appreciate that. And that can help settle you when you're feeling stressed out. You just notice that blank screen. You bring concentration to it. You bring sensory clarity, right? You start to really get into the, you know, what is this quality of the blank screen? What's that all about? You become curious. You know, sensory clarity is associated with curiosity and discovery. And then equanimity, equanimity is you let it be there and maybe then an image popped into your mind and, you know, then that's okay. And then maybe that image vanishes. So you just allow that effortless coming and going of images and the blank screen so the flip side is, yeah, you might have images, a lot of imagery. And sometimes people have imagery that they find upsetting or that reinforces the story they're telling themselves. For example, we'll go back to that, oh, I never do anything right example. Maybe then you flash on some memory from childhood when someone said that to you or something like that. And you actually see that image in your mind, very compelling at those moments when that happens. And we want to treat it the same way. We want to treat it by not getting caught in the story. It is just light activity. Sound activity is blah, 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 blah. Light activity is a flash of light in the form of some story that you've told yourself a million times, for example. So how can I relate to that more as like, oh, it's located on this part of my mind and, oh, it's got color or, oh, it's mainly black and white or, oh, it's morphing as I'm looking at it. Like chunks of it are sort of there and not there and it's changing and right. So we're getting interested in those types of details and less interested in the story of it. And that helps the energy get released in it. So for anyone who's listening, 
which is a funny thing to say because if you're listening, you hear that. And if you're not, you don't. Um, for anyone, anyone who's ignoring us. <laughs> so for those of you who are here, um, I'm going to do a quick recap. And Juliana, just jump in and correct me if I mess this up here. But we started by having you share that a great way of thinking about mindfulness and mindfulness meditation is to imagine times when we're in the zone, right? Where everything is flowing. It's almost like we've lost that sense of space and time and self. And you described how when we're in those moments, we may or may not have ever thought of it this way, but we have certain attention skills that are really heightened. And those three attention skills we've shared with you today are number one, concentration power. Who doesn't want more of that, right? We try and buy that in a pill, a smoothie, whatever we could do. We want concentration power. Number two is sensory clarity, the ability to detect or distinguish our moment-by-moment experience. And number three is equanimity, the ability to maybe avoid the push or the pull. Allow, allow. You always say avoid. Avoid, allow. All right, so what's To allow our moment-by-moment experience. How would you describe equanimity again? Give me that in a sentence. Yeah, the ability to allow our sensory experience to come and go without push and pull. Perfect. The ability to allow our sensory experience to come and go without push or pull. And then what we've just been talking about is... In a very practical way, if you're listening and you go, wow, I'd love to have those attention skills. I want to wake up and go to bed in the zone and everything in between. (laughs) Then some of the moment by moment things you can do are to either see, hear, or feel what's going on. And I want to share my personal experience with this because I learned from you a long time ago when you were coaching me that for me, it's rarely a case where it's just one of those. More often than not, if I am in a stressful state, if I am burnt out, if I'm anxious, overwhelmed, if I'm distracted, oftentimes my sensory experience, it's not just that I might feel a certain emotion. It's not just that in my head, I'm saying things to myself that I'm unconsciously saying that are not productive. Like, what if this doesn't work? Or what's this going to look like to other people if it fails? Or do I even know how to do this thing that I've sold to them? Or all these things, right? Have I overcommitted myself? And it's not just images in my head of seeing that conversation unfold. But I have found that in my moments where I'm facing my greatest personal challenges, my sensory experience is a combination of all three of those places wrapped up together where I I feel it, I see it, and I hear it, right? I remember vividly the moment you revealed that to an audience. We were standing on stage together. I was beaming with pride. You have no idea because that is such a profound insight and you hadn't shared it with me privately. So the first time I heard it was in front of 400 people. And it was like, that's such a huge moment because you're now getting that window into how this stuff feels so compelling. What is it about it that seems so compelling and quote unquote real, right? When these challenging things happen, it's like, we have such conviction that that person is really out to get us or whatever it may be. What is it that creates that? It's the combining together of see, hear, and feel. They reinforce each other and they give us that impression of solidness. And so that was the moment I went from a white belt to a white and a half belt, like a a yellow belt in all this stuff, right? The other thing that I've really appreciated learning from you, Juliana, is So when I was younger, I was diagnosed with who knows what, ADHD. I struggled in school. I'm not going to go back and dissect all the reasons or causes or whatever. And so I chose my own path in life. I got into sales and was fortunate. I had good mentors and things worked out. But I have loved how you have helped me to see that the way that my mind works, it can actually be a strength. 
So if any of you can relate to this, if you've been listening to this conversation, you're like, hey, I have those voices too. Well, guess what? I have like nine of them. (laughs) I have one for every client. I have one for every team member. Like that's the real deal, literally all the time. My family, I got three kids under seven. Do you know what goes on in my mind? (laughs) Oh my gosh, it's crazy. I, I, you know, sometimes I'm having as much fun as you can have with pants on. And sometimes I'm like breaking the law in my head. It's totally out of control. But listen, what I love that I've learned from you, Juliana, is I'll never forget us. We were having a coaching conversation. It was right before I went on a trail run. And you had shared with me, because I said, God, I got so much going on that my mind is racing. And you had shared with me that instead of fighting that and thinking that the Jedi move would be to like slow it down, right? You had said, well, why don't you just work with it? And I always remember that because I have come to appreciate that there's nothing inherently wrong with my mind racing, right? It's just a matter of whether or not I'm going to be conscious to it. And I have found personally that when I get conscious to it, what I do in that moment is I say, let's let this bad boy rock and roll. Let's let it race. (laughs) I get out a notepad or I say, what are my five problems? Because I clearly can't solve one right now. I got to solve five (laughs) at once. And good things can happen. But as a side note, and I am unqualified to give nutritional advice, I just love to give it anyways. So I've stopped consuming caffeine about six weeks ago. And that's not some like moral, ethical, or I'm so great because of that. I'm sure I will consume caffeine again sometime. I don't know. But I have found that for me personally, that has been transformative in my ability to be focused throughout the day. Yeah, I was using it as a way of getting an energetic, artificial advantage. But then the problem is, I believe that anything I create artificially, I'm reducing my body's ability to create it naturally. So there's no win for me in the long run. If, I, if This is just my belief. I'm not claiming I'm right. There's no science to this that I am sitting here telling you is behind it. But that's really helped me to be focused is well, getting rid s- of that artificial stimulant. I want to speak to the racing mind thing you're talking about because I think yeah. so many people can relate to what you're saying. You know, here's a way to think about it or here's a way to reconceive it to the listeners. If you think about the fact that your experience happens on a spectrum, on the one end of the spectrum is restfulness, right? So there just isn't a lot going on. Maybe the body feels relaxed. Maybe you don't have many emotions. Maybe you're emotionally peaceful. Maybe your mind is quiet. Maybe the environment is quiet. Maybe the mental screen is blank, you know, or maybe you're looking with a soft gaze at the world. You're not really seeing anything in the world. You're sort of looking through it, right? So that's the one end of the spectrum is restfulness. On the opposite end of the spectrum is activation or activity. So maybe you're noticing a lot of sensations in the body. Maybe you're noticing a lot of emotional activity. Maybe you're noticing that your mind is full of chatter or there's a lot of sound in your environment or your mental screen has lots of images on it or you're really seeing all the different beautiful things going on in the world or not so beautiful things going on in the world. So if you can think about it as simply that it's on a spectrum from restful to active, those are neutral, right? activity is not good or bad. It just is what it is. It's activity. Restfulness is not good or bad. It just is what it is. So you can reframe an active mind, you know, a racing mind like that. And if you go back to how I described how to focus on it, right? Blah, 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 right? It's like, yeah. can you focus on blah, blah, blah? Look, we have no problem focusing on raindrops on the roof, right? That's the sound we love. And that's scattered, right? 
right? <laughs> so can we turn towards our active mind, our racing mind and all those thoughts? Can we try to have that same relationship with it where we go along for the ride of the scattering? Let it scare us, right? We'll come back together and we'll come back together better as a result of permitting it to have its life. When we resist it, when we fight with it, we actually deplete our energy and we don't really do anything to stop it. We might momentarily stop it, but it's going to come out in some other way. Your foot will be tapping or whatever else it is, right? Nice. At the wrong time, I will say the wrong thing to to the wrong person. That's (laughs) That's what happens. That's right. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Hey, Juliana, this has been an awesome conversation today. I sincerely hope, and I know this is true for a lot of people who are going to listen to this, that this has been helpful in them understanding unified mindfulness. Can we refer them to Shenzhen's book, which was just published in August? Yeah, The Science of Enlightenment. That is his book. Yeah. So for anyone interested, anyone like me who's a pragmatist, I was drawn into this as a real pragmatist. I'm interested in results or I don't want to waste my time doing something. So if you're interested in the relationship between meditation in general and hard science, that's been Shinzen's life work is to study why this stuff works and how it works. And in his book, you learn more about him as a human being and you also learn more about this relationship between hard science and meditation, the science of enlightenment. So he created, the, just to give the one minute history of unified mindfulness, Shinzen created this, what, 30 plus years ago? Is that right? 50, yeah. Basically. 50 years ago. Oh my yeah, gosh. Right. <laughs> gosh. Not only was I not alive, I wasn't even an idea. I was like, <laughs> so... 50 years. So, wow. And it's been studied and researched by Harvard, MIT, Carnegie Mellon. And if I'm correct, you are the exclusive trainer of trainers to not only learn his system, but train it. Is that right? Yeah. So basically we are the official certification. He has entrusted me with this huge responsibility of oversight when it comes to training people in his system of unified mindfulness. That's right. So, wow. Well, I'm sure he knows this, but he is fortunate to have you representing Unified Mindfulness and we're all fortunate for what he created for the world. And one more time, if people want to go check out your course that you just launched like today, and I think yeah. it's available for a few more days, and just take a minute to tell us about the course. What will somebody sure. learn who goes through it? Yeah, so a couple things. We realized that there was a real demand among people such as coaches, life coaches, personal development coaches, yoga instructors, therapists, nurses who are in a position to help other people, but maybe they don't want to be a meditation teacher, right? But they do want to be able to offer their clients or their groups an effective process to take care of themselves, an empowering process. So we saw that there really was nothing out there that supported people like that. So we created this program with people like that in mind so that you can learn how to teach other people mindfulness. And if you yourself are not that familiar with how to do it, well, it shows you how to do it. I know Scott Groves from the QLM Mastermind, he took it with that in mind. He actually was just like, you know, I don't know if I'll ever feel comfortable teaching it to someone else, but I know that if I learn how to teach it, I'm going to get it on a deeper level for myself. So that's another thing that motivates people to the program. But it's basically like, hey, anybody who's experienced the benefits of meditation it's natural to want to share it. And up to now, there really hasn't been a good framework to do that. You kind of had to watch other people do it and catch on or take like a, you know, massive year-long 
15K training and, you know, go the deep end and commit to being a teacher. So this is the beginning. If you want to become a teacher in our system, this is the first stage of it. But if if this is just like, hey, I just want another tool in my toolkit, that's what it's good for as well. Awesome. Juliana, always a pleasure. This was so great. Thank you for being here today. My pleasure. It's really, really wonderful, John. Thank you. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Achieve Your Goals podcast and to get access to today's show notes, transcript, and exclusive content from Hal Elrod, visit halelrod.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast. 